Hello everybody and welcome to Brumvagoon. You will not get there on a road bike. Even if today we're gonna talk about road bikes, but obviously now it's time to push a bit the zoom out and uh, talk about what's happening uh, around Europe and around the world, I would say. Uh, mostly in my beloved Italy. Um, there is a lockdown. The situation is crazy and uh, yeah, you know how the situation is. The only thing that I can do here is to continue producing my podcast uh, because a lot of people should stay home and they are forced to stay home because of this crazy thing that happened and uh, probably giving people a bit more of things to think about and things to listen and story to be inspired by is the only thing that I can do. I will have a lot of time to stay home. A lot of projects that I had will actually fully go into the bin but now is not time to complain now it's time to stay home and it's time to wait for this crazy situation to finish and uh, i will continue producing this podcast as much as i can i will continue contact people that want to talk on my microphone i will continue talk about stories related to bicycle and i will not share anything about covid19 because i'm not a biologist and i'm not a doctor and uh, yes, I'm not a journalist that can just say these things. I'm just a guy who likes to produce the podcast and talks about bicycle and talks, uh, talking with inspiring people. So I will not stay here telling you um, what's going around Italy. You can read it all around. What's going around on the, in the world, you can read it around. Uh, I'm just gonna continue here producing as much content as you can in order to give you a bit more of relief on your daily crazy situation. And I'm gonna just give you, give everybody a big hug because everybody of us is really facing a situation that has never seen before. It's the first time that we experience something like this. And uh, we need to keep strong and we need to keep on going and in this case, just waiting and watch outside of the window the things that are happening and wait for a period that is going to be better and a period when we can go out and enjoying our rides on the bicycle as much as we can. And I truly believe that as well, this time will give us a bit of time to think about our lives and uh, which are one of the real problems and the real struggles. But that's another story. Another small advice that I can give you is to support all the small companies that are around people that you are yes that you really how can i say that people that you are really care of and small companies that always make our life easier and that's why today i would love to support my friend andre and his company chimbar uh, I think he's gonna miss a lot of orders and a lot of people are cancelling his orders or whatever and it's a pity because the products that he produces are amazing and talking about the bar and talking about everything there. So that's why I want to support him and you can support him as well. So if you're listening to this podcast, just go and you like you need or even if you don't need but you use bars and gels and all these kind of things while you're riding your bicycle just take in consideration to make some stocks for your next season so 
uh, I truly don't remember as well the website, but yeah, if you go to chimpanzeebar.com and you make your order and then you write the code broom, like broom wagoon, so broom 30 uh, in number, you're gonna get a 30% discount on all your purchase in on the website. You're gonna stock a bit of stuff for your time being on the bike, even if you're not riding at the moment, or even if you're just riding on your trainer like Simon does every day, several hours a day. And you're gonna give a bit more of oxygen to the small company of a friend that really does amazing things for supporting the outdoors, supporting the bicycle scene. There's the small support that we can give to people. And the other thing that you can do, just guys, keep on strong and just think about what you're going to do with your bicycle. I will think about what I will do with my open up soon and all the adventure that I'm looking forward to have. So that's the only thing that I can do. And uh, I truly believe that you are going to enjoy all the episodes that I'm going to continue producing to make your life a bit easier. And at least to get yourself busy a bit more on your daily life. That said, I'm super happy today because after a long time, I have the, the pleasure to talk about a topic that is really close to my heart. Because you're going to listen all the story at the beginning of my interview. But I've been following uh, the team Novo Nordis since a lot of time. And because they're really a great inspiration for all the people that are facing the condition of diabetes. And they are running this amazing pro cycling team by inspiring people with the same syndrome with the example. I had the amazing pleasure to contact them and they were super happy to produce uh, with me this episode. And I had the pleasure to talk with Federico. Federico Fontana, that is the head of performance at the team. I will leave you to our chat. It was some uh, days ago, and I hope you're going to find it pretty interesting. I find it pretty interesting. And before to start that, I want to, first of all, say thank you to the whole team Novo Nordisk to be so available to make this happen, to Alice and uh, Federico, who actually talked with me and they made this episode happen. And as well to Daniel, my friend Daniel, that he, he has diabetes as well and he's one of my best cycling friends, my best friends, a person that I really care of a lot and he opened my eyes on this condition. Also on how good is cycling for people that have this condition and I'm super happy for that. Now I'm talking really from so long. I will talk to you later at the end of this episode. This is really a story that can be super long. I will try to make it short also because my guest is here waiting for me. Uh, you all know Daniel, my Swedish friend, and I was talking with him so many times and riding with him so many times. He has a, a characteristic on his, anyway, super cool performance and really strong performance as a cyclist. He is affected by diabetes. For this reason, we talked a lot about this team and the people of this team that I'm going to interview today, because there is a team out there of, it's an athletic team, mostly about cycling, because we all talk about cycling, that is made all of athletes also affected by diabetes. 
The team name is the team Novo Nordisk. And today I'm super happy that today we can touch this topic with their head of performance, Federico, Federico Fontana, that is here with me today. Hi, Federico. How are you doing? Hey, ciao. Ciao, Stefano. Thanks for having me. So, Federico, really, really thanks. I'm really, really happy to have you here. And maybe we can all start from yourself. If you can give us a short introduction about yourself, where are you sitting at the moment and... Uh, yeah, everything about you that can be super helpful for us in order to start the chitty chatting. Uh, sure. Uh, so thanks for, uh, first of all, giving me the opportunity to share uh, what's my journey in, in TNN. Uh, hopefully it will be entertaining and, and helpful. Uh, I'm sitting at my desk, actually. I live in uh, Bozen, in Sotio Hall, in Italy. Um, and I work uh, in TNN as head of performance. Uh, so just to give you a, a bit of uh, introduction on my, about my background. Uh, Go ahead, yeah. Yeah, I'm an exercise physiologist. Uh, I did a PhD in exercise physiology in the model of uh, cycling uh, between Italy and Canada. Uh, so I traveled quite a lot during my studies. Uh, I also have a, a strong interest in statistics for the sports sciences. Science, sciences. Uh, so I, I try to apply both these skills into my, my daily job, that it's with TNN. Um, so I started working in TNN uh, five years ago uh, as a data analyst. Uh, a friend of mine, a colleague of mine, uh, was working in the team and he needed an extra end in handling uh, data architecture. Uh, so I moved to TNN. Uh, while I was finishing my PhD. Uh, and then after one year, uh, I became part of the staff full-time. And since then, now I'm um, heading the uh, performance group uh, behind the, the athletes. And my current role uh, is to lead a group of coaches. So my primary aim is to supervise uh, training, uh, testing, and all the monitoring we do with these uh, athletes. Um, I'm also overseeing uh, the performance from any point of view, uh, from recovery, uh, performance on the bike, uh, race performance, uh, data analysis as well. And uh, since uh, last year, we also developed an internal research group uh, I'm part of the board, the research board. So we started um, doing research with uh, TNN uh, with the mission to support both the staff and the athletes uh, in their uh, mission. Cool. Pretty, pretty, pretty interesting. And I don't know, I have something like a question that I want to ask. It's pretty sharp, it's pretty small, and it's not so related to completely our talk, but do you use power meters, right? Yeah, yeah, we do. We do use yeah, of course. Okay. Yeah, we collect uh, yeah, about technology. We, we, we can talk about an age, but um, yeah, we do use power meter, uh, heart rate monitors, and uh, cadence sensor. Uh, we try to collect every data uh, we have the chance to, even though uh, it's, it's important to say that uh, data is. 
supporting the decision making is not doing the decision making. Of course. So we rely on data, uh, but we try to interpret data uh, with experience, knowledge, intuition, and a common sense of the limitations as well. Yeah, yeah, pretty, pretty interesting. Uh, this kind of point that can really be applied in so many other uh, fields in the world. So something like using data to have a counterpart, but taking decisions thanks to your experience and yeah. knowledge. Yeah. yeah, and it's also difficult because sometimes you would like to reduce the responsibility of taking a certain decision by relying on data, but it's a, it's a sensitive thing to do. I mean, you should take the decision based on data, not let data decide for you. Yeah, makes sense. Makes a lot of sense. You touched base before briefly about the mission of the team, the mission of the team Nordisk, and that you are trying actually with, your, with all your job, with all your work, and with all your decision to support this mission. Can you tell us a bit more about that? What's the team Novo Nordisk, TNN, for everybody of you? And which one is the mission? And yeah, everything that is behind it. Uh, so... TNN is a global all-diabetes team of cyclists uh, and it's a professional continental team um, and we compete around the world. The mission is to inspire, educate and empower uh, people affected by diabetes uh, by showing what may be possible while living with diabetes. Um, so it's actually a group uh, of people uh, that is trying to push the boundaries of what is possible uh, living with diabetes. And since cycling is one of the most physical challenging endurance sport, it's a good example of what people living with uh, diabetes may be able to achieve. Uh, on the top of that, I do care about saying that TNN is, first of all, an organization of human beings uh, we are around 100 people and our daily job is TNN, but our calling is the diabetes community. So we work uh, for support TNN mission, but our primary duty is to support the daily living of people with diabetes. Yeah, and uh, as I was reading also around one of the support for people affected by diabetes is also trying to inspire them with your work on um, yeah, showing them that it's possible to live a life, uh, yeah. sport life and daily life also with this disease. Yeah, at the end, what, what I'm seeing over the years is that uh, TNN achievements uh, demonstrate that as long as people with diabetes are educated and disciplined and committed to manage their diabetes uh, with the help of a good support system, healthcare providers, for example, diabetes that does not need to preclude them from intense physical activity and from long lasting exercise. So um, I would 100% confirm that what our guys do inspire people out there yeah yeah and that's really 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 interesting because at the end of the day that's the thing that is most important i truly believe that the mission for tnn is really important to be like this but this can be the mission for everybody out there trying to tell to everybody that whatever is your condition you can really have 
most of the time a normal life and feel good by doing the thing that you love. Yes, correct, uh, correct. Uh, without getting the learning experience uh, underneath it. Uh, of course, yeah. At the end of the day, you are taking some. Uh, you're taking a system and you put it under stress in a complete control and show to everybody that things are allowed. So, yeah, yeah. Um, so you mentioned that the TNN is a group of people working for supporting uh, the diabetes um, people diabetes that are. Community, yeah. Yeah, the diabetes community. And that's pretty, pretty cool. And for this reason, you build up uh, a continental team of cycling, of people that are all, that they're all with this condition. Do you know also is around, if around there is somewhere uh, also other athletes, so cyclists in the peloton, in the pro peloton that are also affected by uh, diabetes? Is somebody, so is there somebody of this community also outside of, the TNN or? Um, so I'm not 100% sure, but I say no based on uh, my knowledge. Uh, so, um, but for example, uh, last year, uh, a new rider uh, signed with uh, TNN, uh, Peter Kuster, he's from and he was professional since 2005. So he was riding as a professional cyclist. And he got diagnosed uh, last year at 34 years of age uh, after a crash and he got to the hospital, they did some testing and he got type one. Um, so that's an example of uh, a cyclist that was professional before. And now since he got diagnosed with uh, type one diabetes, he is now part of the team. Uh, so we are trying to develop uh, our, our roster and our pipeline, um, getting connection to the athletes out there. Uh, so uh, we, we seek for athletes with type 1 diabetes, uh, but I'm not aware of uh, anyone else in the peloton at the moment having type 1. Okay, okay, makes a lot of sense. Um, can you maybe, for anybody else out there that don't know the difference, Anyways, I'm going to put some link of documentation down below. Uh, you can find a lot of really, really cool documentation on the Team Novo Nordisk and the TNN uh, website. But anyways, if you can give us an overview, you were mentioning uh, type 1 diabetes. There is also the type 2 one. Can you give us something like a super, super small overview on that? Can you touch base on that? Um, so, yeah, uh, type 1 diabetes meaning, means that your body is not able to produce insulin anymore. Uh, mainly for genetic reasons, uh, unexplained uh, at the moment genetic reasons. Uh, while type 2 diabetes uh, is developed uh, later on over your life, and it's mainly due to an ineffective of insulin or uh, a lack of insulin uh, circulating in your body, both in a very different way. Uh, but that's how the disease is developing in these two different models. Perfect. And in your team, you have both typologies? Uh, no. In, in the pro team, we, we only have type 1 diabetes. Type 1 diabetes. Yes. Okay. But your support for inspiring the yes, community is also yeah. focused on the both of them. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's broader. We do have uh, uh, within our pipeline some triathletes, some runners, some type 2 diabetics as well. Um, some younger riders uh, with type one, 
but the pro the pro group uh, it's uh, only type one uh, diabetes athlete. Perfect. Let's move on this direction then. We talked about the baseline for our conversation. Now let's go a bit more in the nerd part, if we can say that. Matching up your job and your professional background together with the TNN. So from your experience, daily experience that you're having as head of performance, which one is the difference between training an athlete affected by diabetes and non-affected one? Um, so I think it's uh, kind of important to underline that uh, they are professional cyclists first. Okay. And, and they also race with diabetes. Um, so working with, the, with, with them, um, it's, it's challenging because demands some extra knowledge uh, from the diabetes point of view, for example. And I'm not saying that it's harder than working with another team, let's say, but as an extra layer of complexity uh, that and on the top of that, you also need to develop a very strong relationship and trust both sides, because we are working with a group of 16 experts in managing diabetes and in managing their training. So we cannot forget to listen to their feedback on a daily basis. Uh, so our job is 50% uh, building relationship and trust. Okay. So, um, Having said that, uh, the exercise, the exercise structure, it's, it's pretty much the same. So how we, uh, the group of, of coaches develop the, the kind of the training system, for example, is based on the latest scientific evidences and the experience applied to cycling. However, we do adapt it uh, on a daily basis to align with uh, uh, glucose control. So our coaches need to handle both the kind of training skills and the uh, diabetes skills. So we work closely with the medical team uh, to align our prescription with their directions. To give you a practical, a practical example. Great. <laughs> uh, yeah. For example, we do have to consider uh, the effect of uh, hypoglycemia, for example, on the ability of the body to, to do work on the bike. Um, if a guy had an episode of hypo overnight, for example, uh, an episode of hypo uh, means staying below a certain range of glycemia for more than two hours. And we know that this will have an effect over the whole next day. So his body is behaving differently after a hypo episode. That's why we have to adjust the training prescription accordingly. We know that hypo overnight will affect the uh, hormonal response to exercise. Uh, it's going to decrease lactate production, for example, and also the ability to use fat as, a, as an energy source. Um, and also you will need a lot more endogenous glucose to maintain euglycemia, mainly three times higher meaning that you have to eat uh, much more on the bike the following day. That's why if we spot an hypo overnight, we have to change the prescription for the next day, reducing the overall volume and the overall intensity. So that's one example in the way we are condensing uh, the normal training prescription with the glucose control from, from the riders. 
So basically, um, tell me if I'm taking a bit, uh, you know, uh, if I'm taking a bit simplistic this question, but basically the thing that is pretty important here, despite for uh, the difference than the... Um, the normal pro athletes or the pro athletes everywhere else is that you're checking data way more closely and you work way more closely with the athlete and with the expert itself because there is the need of monitor and maybe change the training plan suddenly depending from the data that you get and depending from the feedback that you get from yes, the specialist so from the expert or the athlete right yeah yeah that, that's that's correct that's the, the right uh, vision uh, we rely on more data uh, since we also have the glucose data uh, collected every day on every rider every five minutes. Uh, and since uh, this potential uh, kind of uh, data cloud, we are now able to align training prescription based on uh, athletes without diabetes uh, on with diabetes. We also rely on some scientific evidence from type 1 diabetic population. Um, but I would say that the initial prescription or training periodization uh, works the same as uh, an athlete without diabetes. Okay. So actually another thing that I, tr I think is pretty interesting here is uh, because that's still part of the mission of the TNN. You are not relying only... So actually we can define two different data layers that is a macro data layer and a micro, uh, yeah, a macro data layer and a micro data level. And the macro one is the one of all the population of type one diabetics. And the micro one is actually the data that you're collecting from your athletes in general, from athletes of your team and from the athlete in particular. Is it correct? We are trying to matching up all these kind of big data solution. Yes, correct. We are merging these two groups of data of observations and that's also why we developed uh, this TNN research group uh, with the aim to support data collection and data interpretation for the benefit of the team um, without forgetting that again this is a group of 16 experts so we rely a lot on their own experience uh, especially because diabetes is very individual so it's unlikely that you are able to apply the same recipe to two different writers. It's not going to work out. Uh, so you need to, to listen to their bodies and to listen to their minds uh, quite a lot. Wow, that's pretty, pretty interesting, especially if you match this research and that analysis part together with the personal relationship and really the bonding that can be created by trainer and rider trainer, expert, doctor, and the rider, that this is actually the most important thing. Yeah, it's a, it has to be a, a bonded group. It's a, it's a unique setting, actually. Uh, but without working together, uh, you're not going to move forward. Um, so it's very difficult to, to impose something. You, you cannot impose anything. You need to develop everything uh, all together with the riders, through daily conversations with the medical team, uh, with the coaching team. Uh, so anyone is moving actually for the sake of uh, TNN mission, but we, we have to do it together. Perfect. The perfect teamwork then. That's what it is. In general, in cycling, especially for your team. Yeah, I don't, I don't believe in perfection. I do believe in evolution. So uh, Love it. 
we 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 try to evolve every day working together yes that's a good statement <laughs> I love it. Actually, I really love this definition. <laughs> I don't. I don't believe in perfection. I believe in evolution. Yes, it's a great headline. Um, of course, a big part of a diabetic's life, a diabetic life, is actually the insulin, right? Uh, can you give us a couple of words and tell us a couple of words on how insulin usually interfere with training or performance of an athlete? Um, yeah, sure. Uh, so insulin is a hormone. Uh, and I will go easy uh, in the definition, is a hormone that regulates the blood sugar. Uh, so put simply, it allows sugar to flow into the cell. Uh, so the, the, the main reason for using insulin is to decrease blood sugar. And our athletes need it to, to survive because their body is not able to produce insulin anymore. Uh, so whichever interfere insulin will have, we need to deal with it. Um, so insulin has uh, actually two main uh, effects uh, over performance. Uh, since you are talking about interference with performance, uh, mm -hmm. first one is uh, enhancing uh, glycogen replenishment and the glucose flux into these cells. Uh, and the second one is preventing lipolysis. Um, so uh, when insulin is on board, uh, you or when you kind of take the medication, your body is less prone to burn fat, and that can interfere with uh, body weight loss uh, if that's your primary aim uh, for training, for example. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, exercise for a person with diabetes, uh, it's gonna um, enhance insulin effect because exercise itself is reducing blood glucose. Uh, since the muscle is using glucose in the first place and uh, since the body is becoming more sensitive to insulin when you exercise, so the same amount of insulin is having a greater effect when you exercise. Uh, and that's the tricky things because getting a right balance uh, between insulin dosage and uh, the amount of activity you do um, is the key to control blood, blood glucose and to avoid hypoglycemia. That is the bigger risk uh, you might expose to when uh, taking too much insulin, for example, because hypoglycemia is very dangerous and you make uh, you lose consciousness and then if not treated properly, you can die from hypoglycemia. Uh, so definitely insulin has a huge interfere uh, with the performance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It makes a lot of sense. And still, obviously, this comes together with the thing that you were telling us before, that you should monitor really closely performance and data that are coming uh, from yeah blood of you of your athlete and uh, as well performance that are coming out because that's exactly the thing of course insulin can influence the performances but you need also to take everything under control to keep everybody healthy there yes correct uh, um, yeah we cannot forget that that's also uh, very changing on a daily basis how your body reacts to uh, to the same doses of insulin, for example, because insulin sensitivity will change, insulin resistance will change. Um, and on the top of that, you're exercising a lot. 
uh, hours a day and this is going to change your body response to, to, to insulin uh, in a very individual way. So that's another level of complexity where the individual has to develop a deep learning curve uh, before getting used to manage their own uh, medication and food to the other extent. That's why we work very closely to, uh, with our medical team uh, to support riders in any decision-making. Uh, but yes, at, at the end, um, I wouldn't say that insulin interferes. Insulin mm -hmm. has different effects on performance that we need to be aware of. Yes, makes a lot of sense. Maybe this is a question that I can ask you no, I'm going to ask it to you later. Uh, let's move on and let's go to the other thing that actually affects so, or has some effects on the life of your athlete. For sure, we talked about insulin, but the other important part is food. How do you deal? How do you monitor and how do you, yeah, um, something like talk, discuss, and take decision about food with your pro athletes? Uh, so yes, uh, food is, uh, is the other source, is the, it is the other element that uh, has uh, a direct impact on blood glucose. And I'm talking about mainly carbohydrates, even though uh, protein and, and fat, they also have an effect on, on blood glucose. And that's very individual again. So everything is individual here. Um, uh, but um, so we do monitor food intake uh, using technology uh, through some apps uh, available online. Um, we do have a team nutritionist that work with the riders um, to kind of trying to design uh, the better um, logistics behind food choice, for example, when they travel, when they race, when they train at home because those are the three uh, main areas where uh, we compete at home for training while traveling and while racing. Um, yeah. uh, at the bottom line, the, the diet is not very different from the rest of the peloton, actually. Um, they just need to be more aware and more careful about both the dosing, uh, the timing and the tracking of carbohydrates since carbohydrates has a direct effect on blood glucose. So you cannot just take randomly glucose uh, because you might need it, you feel you need it. You need to make sure that, uh, and you need to be aware that the food you will take on board will have an effect on, on your uh, glycemia. And the downside is going in hyperglycemia that has some potential uh, that can induce some potential damage to body's tissue and, uh, and it can interfere with performance as well. Um, so from one side, you need to fool your body. Uh, to the other side, you need to control glycemia uh, with food. So, um, and without forgetting that it's, it is more difficult on the bike because exercise uh, volume intensity has an effect on blood glucose as well. Uh, so in order to take your car on the road, you need to be very aware of what decision you are, you are taking in terms of food. Um, and for example, managing body weight is uh, another difficult task because sometimes 
your body needs food, not because, not from an energy perspective, but from a blood glucose management perspective. And those are extra calories you will intake uh, that will not gonna help you out in losing, losing weight, losing uh, fat mass, for example. Uh, so I, I would like to highlight that I proudly respect these guys because their effort when controlling food, for example, uh, it's, uh, it's huge. And um, uh, maybe an important aspect to, to kind of um, underline is uh, that it's all about having a good routine at the end. I keep oh, yeah. saying that everything is very individual, everything is very challenging, it's very difficult, but a lot relies on having a routine, a repeated routine over time, uh, because it allows you to learn from your kind of uh, experience, how your body will react to different uh, tasks, environment, uh, efforts. So if you stick with a routine, with food, for example, it's going to be easier for you to uh, to cope with energy needs and blood glucose control. Yeah, here also, um, it's way more important to keep the number of constants higher than the number of variables, <laughs> yes. right? Yeah, correct, correct. But for example, we also rely on um, nutritional guidelines, international recommendations for athletes about, for example, the amount of carbohydrates you can absorb every hour. You start, we start from there as well, uh, and, then we, and then we adjust it. Uh, but as for the training, we start from international recommendations and then we move adding experience and adding uh, knowledge uh, and the rider's feedback on the top of that. Starting from one starting point and then moving according to the needs and to the personal characteristic of your athlete. Yes. Correct. Perfect. Uh, I want to ask you now this question that I was mentioning before. And so we talked about the two things that mainly are having an effect and impact or on the life of people that are forming the diabetes community. Um, but on the other side, we have also the third thing that is actually is a factor for your team. So your athlete. Maybe you can tell me a couple of words on what did you see and what do you still see on which one is the effect of making endurance sports like cycling into a person that is affected by diabetes. Uh, training or exercise or moving has uh, a lot of potential benefits uh, for normal athletes and also for an athlete with diabetes. And that exercise is actually recommended uh, for people living with diabetes because it will enhance it's an extra tool you can use to control your blood glucose on the bike. Uh, it allows you to stay in range. Uh, we use this terminology uh, when a rider is able to kind of uh, stay within a normal uh, glucose range that it's called euglycemia. Uh, and it goes from four to 10 millimoles per liter uh, of uh, sugar, let's say, in the blood. Um, so exercise will allow you, for example, to um, uh, adjust uh, insulin dose uh, because exercise is going to enhance the ability of the body to reduce blood glucose and therefore preventing all the potential damages to body tissues that 
hyperglycemia might uh, induce. And then you will have a lot of uh, health benefits from a cardiovascular perspective, the respiratory perspective, hormonal as well. Um, you will induce, for example, a higher insulin sensitivity. So the same amount of insulin is going to work more. Uh, and it means uh, low doses at the end uh, of the day um, of extra insulin on board. Um, and then has a lot of, uh, let's say, food for the brain, uh, a lot of potential about uh, enhancement of your arousal, of your uh, attitude, of your well-being as well. Uh, so, yeah, it, it, it has a lot of impact. Um, and having uh, this group of riders that are competing at the edge uh, of uh, human limits, uh, it's a, a very positive message to people that would like to start exercising despite having uh, diabetes. And it's also, I think, if I can put some words over there, I think it's also super important to have an extra source of a big amount of data that can help as well. Uh, the community. Yeah, I would say yes. So first of all, you need education. So if yeah. you start exercising and you have diabetes, you need to be educated about uh, what are the risks, first of all. Uh, you also need discipline. Uh, so you need to be very committed uh, to, for example, carrying your own food and your own medication to make sure uh, that your body is uh, ready to cope with any kind of effort. And you have to respect uh, how your diabetes will react to exercise. So it's a learning approach. You need to learn from your own experience. Um, and again, building a consistent routine will help you people that would like to exercise. But uh, a good strong suggestion is uh, go to your healthcare provider, to your diabetes expert nearby and uh, wrapping up a plan or starting exercise. That's the first, uh, the first point. And yes, technology can support you. Uh, for example, the uh, CGM or, con or continuous glucose monitoring systems uh, will give you um, much more deeper level of details about your blood glucose over time. Um, so you can surely uh, take advantage of using technology if you had the chance to, um, or uh, pumps, insulin pumps is another uh, layer in your technology setup that will help you out in uh, uh, dealing with your body response to exercise. Uh, but uh, again, start from uh, getting educated and talk with your healthcare providers uh, for making a plan together and then you can start exercising and you will see how many benefits you will gain from, from it. And if you want, I, I do have some um, educational sources you might want to share uh, over the podcast, such as websites or books or readings that might be uh, very informative. Of course, I'm going to for sure ask you for all the scientific sources, documentations and things that you can give it to me because I truly believe that everybody here that is going to listen to these episodes and is going to be really, I don't know, starting to walk inside of this field that is not super well known can actually document themselves and understand 
how the things are moving in this direction and why we really have the need of having a team like the TNN who is really put this, I, I would not say, yeah, probably you can say problem, but really problem around and share this thing and letting people know that there's could be there's an inspiration that can be followed and you can really do a lot of things. Yes, correct. Yeah. Right. yeah. Let's go to the team itself and to your daily life and to some performance as well. But let's start from planning and stuff. What's usually a typical training plan or the plan of a training camp of the mm, the plan of a training day for you in the team Novo Nordisk? Um, so first of all, we are very open to share uh, how we work as a performance team. I mean, uh, we don't have any secret. Okay, uh, that's a something yeah, that so... I didn't consider. Probably you want to hide <laughs> something. Yeah, no, no. I mean, uh, sometimes people... Uh, pretend to do not share what they do. Uh, uh, I don't know, maybe for the fear of, uh, uh, I don't know, stealing information, let's say. But um, as I said, we are very open to share as a team everything we do. And our data is open access. Um, so um, I, I like these questions because it, it will allow me to share actually how, how we work from a training perspective, uh, let's say. Um, so training plan, it follows um, a structure uh, based on the racing calendar. Uh, so we have a racing calendar at the end of the year, uh, around October, November for the following year. And so we can, with the riders, uh, deal with uh, athletes allocation in different races uh, over the year. And with this uh, agenda, uh, the coaches will start developing the training plan. And the training plan, it's a, a three steps process uh, where you have a testing phase, uh, a training phase, uh, and another testing phase. So everything we do is based on these three key uh, points in time. And underneath, you have um, the monitoring phase. And we rely a lot of, on technology uh, to monitor. So the testing phase, uh, um, we do some, uh, let's say, laboratory testing over the course of the years. Uh, we measure uh, oxygen consumption, uh, efficiency uh, through ramp incremental exercise to exhaustion, for example. Uh, we do measure lactate accumulation, uh, glucose control during testing. Uh, we also do some time to fatigue trials to develop uh, the common critical power curve. Uh, so we do use the power duration model to then prescribe training. And we also do some field testing, some maximal bout, for example. Um, and we uh, prefer field testing, uh, let's say, uh, once the athletes are home. So we try to do three to four lab testing over the year and 10 to 12 field testing over the year, so once a month. Okay. And races data are also a sort of, uh, let's say, testing uh, field, uh, because you might spot some peak uh, performance in races, so uh, we use it as well. Uh, so then the training developed uh, start. Uh, and, uh, people may, might be interested in how we develop training. Um, 
We are now using a common uh, approach uh, where we build the bases in the off season, for example, and then we kind of move toward uh, more specific uh, efforts closer to the race, uh, because we believe that this group has already developed a very, very deep and strong endurance adaptations. So we do work uh, in terms of volume, but we start with, with the intensity right from the gun from the start of the season. And we do intensity in December um, in a progressive way, of course. So everything it does uh, based on three keys uh, in terms of training. One is uh, specificity of the stimulus. So if you want to be strong on the bike, you have to bike. Uh, the second one is the variability of the stimulus, uh, introducing uh, uh, different, for example, intensities uh, over the course of the sessions. And the third one is progressive overload. So everything we do as a progression, even though we start high intensity day one, we do progress uh, in doing so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty, pretty interesting, Federico, yeah. really. <laughs> yeah, at the end, how can you say that you want to develop the aerobic engine over these guys? So they, they ride 40,000 K per year. Uh, how can you say that you need more adaptations from the aerobic point of view? It's, uh, you might have some changes, of course, due to your um, season. Uh, but at the end, what you want to target is different adaptations. Yeah. If you just consider how much they climb over the year, uh, that's it. how can you do? <laughs> no, yeah, it makes completely sense. So the only thing that you can model is actually when do you when you want to have the peak of the performances. Yeah, that's another yes, that's another uh, target, uh, and it's probably the most challenging things to consider because you want to move the peak as close as possible to to the race. Uh, and then you have a lot of uh, confounding variables such as uh, traveling, uh, temperature, uh, jet lag, uh, altitude, uh, that are playing a, a huge role uh, in the way your body will respond to what you might have predicted uh, two months ago. You have to adjust it. Yeah, without forgetting that diabetes is uh, kind of competing against you. Uh, in all this uh, setup, uh, in, an, in, a, in, in an unpredictable way. Uh, as I said, hypoglycemia is going to change your cards uh, totally. Or stress, for example, uh, stress response is having a huge impact on blood glucose. Uh, oh, yeah. So if you're not able to deal with adrenaline or with, let's say, stress builds up before a race, it's going to mess up your entire plan. Yeah. But yes, we have these kind of enemies, let's say, uh, underneath the surface that we need to, to consider. Yeah. That is an enemy for sure on, um, so it's an enemy for sure on the performance and obviously of everything related to your athlete, but it's also an enemy of your data. Because once you think that you got a model, uh, seems like everything is super readable or whatever, you have one of these variables that miss, mess up completely with your data. So Yes, yeah, uh, yes, correct. So we are actually uh, trying to demonstrate that diabetes is not a limiting factor in performing. Uh, you do control it, and if you do everything right. Uh, so it's not really an enemy, 
it's something you have to handle with care and with uh, attention uh, in order to be competitive uh, as the other uh, riders in the peloton are. So yeah, that's also why we we try to collect a lot of data and we are trying to to associate uh, glucose response to, for example, for example, volume of training or intensity uh, or temperature, altitude, uh, travels, um, because we like the idea of being able one day to predict uh, together with riders uh, feedback what is going to be the body response to race uh, in a particular setup made by, let's say, elevation, let's say, temperature, uh, amount of uh, time zone changes from your training base and uh, stuff like that. Uh, that's why we, ne we need some, some, some software and some data skills uh, to do yeah makes makes a lot of sense i can completely understand that a lot of your time is around really data modeling and data analysis yeah well. we also spend a lot of time with the riders uh, in front of a screen and uh, understanding data uh, together with them uh, first of all it's a way to engage them more in the process and second of all they might have a better reading capabilities of what we what we have uh, so we do respect our common experience and knowledge in building up uh, the perfect reasoning behind what happened or behind what is going to happen. Yeah, it's actually in this way they can actually maybe be more aware what happens in their body and they will be also, um, let's say, more keen on giving you feedback. If you show them a data and you say, okay, here, what happened, your, I don't know, uh, your power uh, went down, whatever, what happened, they can tell you, ah, okay, because here at that point, I got this kind of problem. Or the day before this race, I felt pretty stressed. And then you can really have and help on reading the data. Yes, correct. Uh, we do try to gain a lot of as many information as possible about uh, events over your typical training day. Uh, what happened here? What happened there? Uh, how feeling, for example, we do collect a lot of subjective feelings uh, during the ride, after the ride, before going to bed, in the morning, uh, in in the tentative to to condense everything together to come out with the better reading capabilities of the situation. Next step here is that after you've done your perfect training and uh, um, you planned it up, you model and everything, it's race day. How does usually the everything, all the system from your uh, your task or the other people on your team task and the cyclists actually develops during a race day? Uh, so we try to uh, map mapped out uh, what happened over a race day because it's going to be a repetitive pattern and it, we try to stabilize it in order to be as consistent as possible everywhere in the world uh, in every time point over the season um, so we do manage a race day uh, in, in a way that it's going to be um, repeatable and it, it, it is essentially made by three uh, key uh, time windows. The first one is the preempt phase. And one is the perform phase when you race. So everything you do before the race, when, from the moment you wake up to the moment you 
uh, start uh, from the gun with the race. And you had the race phase and you had the recover phase that it starts from the moment you stop racing to the moment you go to bed. Uh, and within these three time windows, um, every riders and every uh, staff member has a decision-making approach to follow uh, from what I'm going to do when I will wake up, what's my morning routine uh, from meditation to stretching to food, uh, body weight check, let's say. Uh, then you move to breakfast, you have to decide how much you eat, what's the effect on the food, on blood glucose, for example, how you adjust it. Uh, then you pack your things uh, from the hotel, uh, you travel to the race, so you have to cover some distance in the bus. You then come to the race start, uh, you fuel the body again, uh, so you have another layer of decision-making starting. You have to manage stress, uh, you have to deal with some medical checks, uh, you have to get dressed, uh, radio check, uh, signing for the start, uh, you have a meeting with uh, uh, us, uh, with the sport directors in the bus for race tactics. So that's everything is under the preempt phase. And that's every, everywhere you go in the world, it's going to follow the same timeline. At least we try to make it following the same timeline. Because in this way, it's all about routine again. And we can easily spot any things that went wrong uh, or everything that we might want to optimize. Um, and then you start your racing phase uh, when you, of course, have to perform on the bikes, but then you have to fuel your body. You have to uh, manage your glucose as well. You have to follow your strategy uh, to follow your roles. Um, and it's going to change based on uh, mountain stage, flat stage, whether it's a single day race, whether it's a stage race, uh, what are the weather conditions, uh, what's the temperature, what's the effect of temperature on performance, glucose, insulin effect, and blah, blah, blah. But everything is mapped out so the guy has a clear plan on how to move forward in his own decision-making to approach uh, the situation in the, the, the best possible way. And you stop racing and you start your recovery phase that it's going to begin right in the moment you stop cycling. Uh, you might have the chance to cool down and to fuel your body again. Uh, you will have a shower in the bus. You will have a meal in the bus, uh, a medical check as well. Uh, and on the top of that, you will have some media interviews that are going to affect how you are going to kind of recover. Uh, you have to travel. Uh, with the bus, some hours, uh, most of the time. So it's a sitting time and uh, you might get the chance to sleep uh, or to spend some time on your screen, reading, uh, stretching, stress, stretching, chatting, and blah, blah, blah. And then you go to the hotel and you have a massage. Um, then you have some food, you have another medical check, uh, and then you have a meeting with the sport directors about how was the race today and uh, what is going to happen tomorrow if it's a stage race. Uh, and then you go to dinner and then finally you, you try to go to bed. Uh, 
But I can say that this is going to happen every single racing day we have over the world, over the year, uh, making it more kind of predictive and consistent. We will be able to build up a racing routine that it stabilize uh, over time. Perfect. Then, 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 yeah, it looks as usual, pretty, pretty interesting and a lot of data. And, uh, but that's exactly what everything is made about in order to, to have the best of the status of, uh, of your rider and uh, of your team. Still talking about, we just talk, talked about racing and racing day. What do you think in your experience is more, uh, let's say, challenging for uh, your team? Do you find in general, I mean, in data collection, uh, data setting, performance, everything related to that, what do you think is the most challenging part, a single day race or a multi-day race? Uh, from my perspective or from a rider perspective? If you can tell me that both would be amazing. Yeah, sure. Uh, <laughs> so again, <laughs> the answer is very consistent and is that it's very individual. Okay. Uh, so whether uh, you perform better over a single day race or over a stage race, because uh, you might have a different attitude as a rider towards stage race, for example, uh, they have different physical characteristics. Some of them are performing better in a stage race. Some of them are performing much better over a single day. Uh, diabetes control is taking a major role uh, because since you are exposed, for example, in a stage race to more volume, um, the adjustments you have to make to your insulin dosing or your glucose control uh, has a primary role. But the same it's for a single day race uh, where, you're, where, where you lose the rhythm uh, because it's just one day of racing and it's a completely different schedule from what you were doing at home. Uh, for weeks, for example. So stage races are more kind of consistent, more stable, while the race involves uh, more traveling, for example, just for racing one day. Um, so it, 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 I don't have an answer. I might not have an answer at all uh, because it's, uh, it's very individual. Uh, yeah, traveling is a huge challenge uh, for people with uh, uh, diabetes, because it's impacting a lot uh, their body response. Uh, you might have some issue in sleeping, for example, uh, because you are away from home uh, over a stage race, let's say. Uh, you might change hotel every day. Uh, you might have some very long travels after the race. Um, you might get exposed to different environments, for example, altitude. Uh, uh, that might change every day or heat, uh, cold. Um, so there are so many factors involved in those, these, in these two events that it's almost impossible to answer to your question. Um, and from a, tr from a trainer perspective, it's, uh, um, it's, much it's less difficult let's say um, because at the end uh, the data feeding process is the same whether it's a single day or whether it's a, a multi-day race uh, let's say that over a stage race we might have more chance to do results because you have more racing days uh, but apart from that 
um, I mean, uh, I'm, I'm not seeing uh, any major uh, challenges uh, from a trainer perspective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It makes a lot of sense, actually, and it's completely consistent uh, on your answers that, yeah, you, we need to treat any single athlete for individually because everything is pretty individually from training to effects of the disease, of the condition and anything. But then we can move because we talked so much about races and uh, we can probably touch base as well on the results. I mean, really the performances that is part of your job title of your team during the last years. I was reading from some documentation that 2019 was pretty successful for, yeah. Yeah. for the team, so for TNN, and uh, 2020 yes. looks even brighter. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. 2020 uh, marks our uh, eighth uh, seasons. Uh, we are now into our eighth year. Uh, and 2019 was uh, our most successful season, as you said. Uh, we raced in uh, 24 races across 15 countries all over the world. And we did score some good top 10s results in uh, World Tour races. That for us means a lot. Uh, we had some podium uh, in Estonia, in China. Uh, we had a lot of uh, jerseys. For example, most active rider jersey or most courageous jersey, Tour of Poland, Tour of California, <clears throat> some pretty big uh, race. Uh, our guys were able to got some very uh, strong results without forgetting that uh, their training schedule over the 2019 was actually pretty intense because on average, they had uh, 340 days of training on the bike, racing and, and training. Uh, and if you kind of remove the traveling days when you don't have the chance to bike, it means they spend every day on their bike. Uh, they did an average of 30,000 K and an average of uh, 300,000 meters of elevation gain, uh, spending around a thousand hours on the bike. Um, so in these kind of, uh, a surrounding uh, <clears throat> training schedule, you have to race, you have to compete, and you have to um, to, to do results. Uh, and uh, for TNN, actually results, uh, it's two sides of the same coin. Uh, one side is on the bike results, and the other side is off the bike results. Uh, because it's true that we perform and compete on the bike, but our mission is to educate, inspire uh, people uh, out there. So the audience for us uh, and the target is to reach this audience, to reach out there, uh, getting more media attention, to spread the message. Uh, so engage people uh, out there. It's one of our primary goals. Uh, and we have a strong group of uh, marketing, PR, and media people that are working very hard to make sure that what these guys are doing is going to be disseminated and shared everywhere in the world. And we also have a pipeline of young riders that needs to be developed. Uh, so that's another kind of uh, uh, target area in terms of 
when we talk about results. So what we have done is competing, but we we've also uh, did a lot more. Yeah, of course. I really like actually this aspect that you are um, that you are really stressing on. So of course you have all the results that you're getting on the road with yeah top 10 success and uh, win of races and also just participating and being invited to some races and that's pretty pretty important but also the backdoor part is everything that you are really doing on the field with your um, media effort and developing effort for uh, younger riders and actually feel let everybody feel a bit more sensible especially your community but everybody there made more sensible on what diabetes diabetes is and how you actually you are developing and involving most of the people on knowing more about what happens around just with your efforts in riding racing training and spreading the voice yeah yeah that's a very good uh payoff uh i mean sharing it's uh it's uh let's say paramount uh, and the way you disseminate what we do, it's what's going to unlock uh, the knowledge for people out there that would like to start uh, exercising, uh, having diabetes. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Still, just jumping a bit out, maybe we're still in the field of um, riding and exercising while you're having diabetes and stepping a bit out from the really pro-cycling and performance side. Um What's your feeling about, for example, uh, people with diabetes com uh, condition uh, and participating, for example, to ultra-endurance races? Let me put a bit of context there. Um, so I've been following yeah, ultra-endurance races, bikepacking races. Everybody knows that I was at the Atlas Mountain Race before Silk Road Mountain Race. And I know that there are also uh, some riders being there with the same condition. What's your opinion in that? So do you think that is, um, I don't know, can you see uh, some uh, impediments or just things? Impediments not because people are doing it, but can you see some good functionalities out of that for people that are taking part to these kind of races while having the condition? Um, so first of all, I'm always impressed about uh, people that, perform in these events. I have some friends that did the Tour de Jeanne, uh, the running race uh, over Aosta. And the, the, the effort you have to deal with from a mind point of view, to me, it's insane. I would never be able to do something like that. So my respect, it's, it's huge. And if you are doing that uh, with diabetes, uh, it's an extra layer of uh, uh, difficulties. Uh, and the first thing that blows up in my mind is that most of these events are self-managed and unsupported as well. Uh, so you are with yourself most of the time. Uh, and even though this is not a limitation, you will be very kind of disciplined and committed to uh, take care of your body by yourself. And if you have diabetes, that's, uh, let's say, uh, you need kind of more attention uh, when you when you do it, but that's even more impressive. Uh, and then you have uh, uh, different weather exposures uh, that might change your body response to the activity. You have uh, you are sleep deprived, that's for sure, and this is gonna 
mess up completely your glucose response to or everything you do. Uh, so being sleep deprived is a very big challenge for uh, controlling diabetes. And you do a lot of traveling as well. Uh, so let's say that you have some extra challenges uh, that are not potentially limiting you to compete in these events, uh, but you need to be very careful and very well educated uh, to predict everything that might happen um, in order to overcome uh, these uh, extra uh, challenges. Uh, dehydration is another uh, way, to, it's, it's another factor to consider when you have diabetes. Uh, and have kind of check the results from the Atlas uh, uh, race, it's impressive how people were able to do it in almost four days. But yeah. if you have to ride for 300k every day uh, and for, let's say, 8,000 meters of elevation gain every day, then that's the volume we, I mean, in terms of elevation, we do in, in a week uh, or, or so, being professional. Yeah. And still, you have so also you have to consider that this was also in rough terrain. So oh, sometimes yeah. you had really to go super slow or hike your bike, for sure. Yeah. Even if I'm pretty close to this kind of world for a bit of time now, all the time that I see people, they jump out of the car, and they talk with people. Maybe that they are in the mid pack, they are not um, aiming to win any race or stuff. But just uh, all the time, they are so available to talk with me and share some jokes or share some experience. Still, after having done all so much in uh, in their daily riding, wow, it's, it impresses me all the time. Yes, yeah, I had some funny stories from people, from crazy people that uh, that did these kind of things from hallucinations uh, <laughs> to start caring about your kind of uh, uh, fake friend that is running with you. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, it, it's actually, uh, uh, I'm not going to say dangerous, but, uh, it's, uh, curious how you lose with your, uh, lose of consciousness over this uh, very long, uh, unsupported event. Uh, and that's something you need to be aware of, uh, because your body is not gonna, um, deal with your diabetes by himself, you have to deal with your diabetes. And if you mm, expose yourself uh, to extra difficulties or to extra challenges, you need to be even more uh, educated, disciplined, committed, uh, and work closely with uh, your doctor or your, your a healthcare professional around you. Yeah, 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 of course. And that's probably the topic that I would love to touch base last time. You talked about that so many times already this um, in our chat, but I truly believe that it's really, really important to focus more on that. You're talking about being educated on, uh, yeah, on your condition, on what you need, be in a really good relationship and really developing a great bonding with your healthcare provider and uh, understanding your body that's another good thing so not only get out some data but know how to read your data these are the most important thing that we can probably um, yeah express and share outside if you are 
uh, an amateur cyclist or an amateur athlete or just simply one person that wants to start exercising with diabetes? Is there anything else that you want to stress in this kind of thing? So even if you have the condition, you want to really... Um, so you have the condition, you want to start exercising. Which one is your the tip around the solid, the really solid basics that are these um, ones? So you summarized it uh, perfectly. Um, but on the top of that, to me, what's very important is to build a consistent routine. If you will be able to, 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 to build that, uh, it's going to be much, much easier to be educated, to discipline, to learn your body, to change things. So yes, it's all about routine in this context. Um, and I, I like uh, an example. Uh, at, at the end, people with diabetes are the experts in dealing with diabetes. We think about that and we cannot get to that level because we don't have it. Uh, so they are uh, the key person in dealing with their own body. And at the end, it's like uh, driving a car. I mean, anyone can do it, uh, but you have to develop the skills, the education to driving a car. And once you know how to drive your car, you will be able to try your car in different roads, for example, different terrains, different environments. Um, but the basic setup is made by changing gears, using the wheel, uh, accelerate, brake, uh, and that's what you have to develop. And then you will be able to expose it to different uh, uh, setup environments and, and, and exercising settings. Super clear. And I really like the example. It's really now on top of everybody's mind that for sure it's a matter of practice yeah. and building up this practice and knowing your car as much as you can. Somebody can set up you the basics, but right. then in order to right. get to get the best out of it, you need to practice as much yes, as you can. Correct, uh, correct. And this is exactly the same example that we would do with the, we can do with the bike. <laughs> yes. Somebody can put you on the bike, but <laughs> in order to gain some confidence on it, you need to ride the bicycle probably for forty thousand kilometers a year. Maybe it's too much. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot. <laughs> yeah, and you, you know, you know what? Sometimes um, people think that it's a it's a dream job. I mean, uh, the freedom to ride the, the bike whenever we want, uh, to eat whenever you want, and to eat actually quite a lot, uh, to get a good night's sleep, and uh, I mean, um, it, it's it might be uh, perceived as a dream job, but. Uh, it's a very tough job being a professional cyclist. It's uh, one of the most extreme environment uh, you have to deal with. And if you add another, another layer of complexity it, that it's having diabetes, it's uh, another full-time job because this is going to be every second of your life uh, that you put on top of your current job that it's riding the bike. Of course, of course. Nobody, everybody thinks, yeah, it's cool. You go out with a bicycle. Yeah, you right. have no nothing to think yeah. about. Blah 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 blah. 
when there are so many things from nutrition to training to forcing yourself to sleep yeah. to yeah. staying on the stick on the plan as much as you can because that's what it is because you can have so many risks yeah, correct and sometimes yeah. we have the chance to decide to avoid riding if it's raining for example but so the of time course. they don't have the chance uh, when you start perceiving it in this way you kind of start respecting it even more of course definitely definitely like everybody should respect as well your job and uh, really dealing with so many variables and taking care of so many variables in order to let your team perform at its best uh, yes I, i agree but uh, you know what it gave me the chance to develop some very strong relationship human relationships with uh, the riders and with the staff as well because we feel part of the same uh, community and we are in the same road for supporting people with diabetes and that's uh, something unique uh, and you truly live it when you spend time with uh, with the team and that's uh, priceless effortless uh, and it's uh, yes Uh, just amazing yeah well i would actually conclude our talk saying thanks a lot for the job and the tasks and the research that you every day do in order to build up knowledge and education in the community of diabetics thanks a lot for that first second thing th thanks a lot to you and to team novo nordisk to give me the possibility Uh, of really having this chat with you and let people know a bit more something that is behind this structure and third thing that i want to tell you is that really keep on with the amazing thing that you're doing and i hope that everybody i'm already doing it but really everybody will follow uh tnn way closer today uh yeah thank you thank you again for uh, first of all giving me the chance to share uh, what i do uh, what's the team mission And as I said, uh, what you do, uh, it's probably one of the most important aspects of our job because you are helping us in disseminating who we are, uh, what we do, how we do, and why we do. So uh, I would like to thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe the last thing that I can ask you, because for sure it can be helpful for me and for everybody out there. Uh, I'm going to put everything anyways in the description below this podcast but if you can share with us website social media or everything that you have in your hands now uh yes sure um so there is an interesting website it's called uh, sugarsurfing.com uh, it's a platform for mainly diabetes educator in how to managing dynamic uh, glucose control but it's uh, well written it's in a form of a blog Uh, it's easy to actually understand. Uh, so it's a precious uh, resource online. Uh, and then there is the uh, JDRF uh, website. It's a juvenile diabetes research foundation that has some um, great educational uh, content uh, over their website that people can uh, easily access to it. Um, Yeah, those are the web, let's say, um, sources of uh, education I would, I would recommend. Then the TNN website has some um, uh, educational pills that people might want to read, uh, some stories, uh, some, uh, uh, let's say, outlines about exercise and diabetes. 
then you can uh, rely on some science, but sometimes science knowledge is uh, uh, difficult to translate. But I would send you some uh, uh, easy to read manuscripts and books based on science uh, that people can uh, uh, have a look at. Of course, of course. And then I think that everybody just um, writing Team Novo Nordisk yeah. on the social media, they can find your sources over there. Yes. So, uh, yeah. so they can really see which one is your next steps and next challenge yeah. in the pro yeah. team. Absolutely. Perfect. Federico, really, again, thanks a lot. Uh, hopefully see you soon. Anyways, talk to you soon. Pretty, pretty. Yeah. So we can have a coffee and still continue talking about that or probably tomorrow if I'm going to come with another idea or another couple of topics that I want to touch base, I will call you, of course, because I'm super fascinating about this mission. Yeah, sure. Uh, always willing to, to, to share uh, everything we can uh, to help people out there. Uh, so thank you, Stefano. Thank you very much. Cool. I will talk to you soon. Ciao, Federico. Ciao. Ciao, ciao. And thanks a lot, Federico, to be so clear and informative about a topic that can not everybody know. And uh, for this reason, for sure, a bit more of documentation can be super helpful and a bit more of inspiration. I'm super happy that we partner up in order to make this happen. All the information about the topics that Federico talked about are down in the description below. And then talking about the sources that he mentioned in the, at the end of the episode and uh, yes nothing else really really thank you and i really recommend everybody and uh, i would love to suggest to everybody to look for uh, the activities of team novo nordisk and all the inspiration that they're giving to us every day even in these kind of weird times nothing else uh stay healthy stay safe stay home and i will talk to you next week bye bye oh, 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 oh.